Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discussed the Chiefs' Sunday night game against the Denver Broncos. Joe, this game is at Arrowhead, but uh, before we preview this game, you enjoyed uh, a couple really memorable games at Mile High against the Broncos. Yeah, it was, Jeff, it was always a great place to go um, and play a game because, you know, again, I've said this before on the pod, like, Raiders week, we always have talked about Raiders week, and we know the implications of that game. We knew the passion behind it. We knew everything. But I have to say, for all intents and purposes, from a, an actual rivalry perspective, my experience with the Broncos was actually more indicative of what a true rivalry was in the 90s, at least for me and the era that I played in with that you know, Montana group and, you know, and Steve Bono and Dave Craig and, and Steve DeBerg and all that crew. The Broncos were much, much more of a rival, air quotes, right, rival than, than the Raiders were. Because we just kind of like, you know, no, no offense, but like we owned the Raiders during that era. And, and it wasn't, yes, it was Raiders week, but the, the, the feeling that you got when you went to Mile High and you'd see Elway come out of the tunnel I just had to hear that crowd and shaking those stands and it was really special um, to go there and play. And, and, and I think, you know, that was for me more of a true spirited rivalry than even the Raiders. Um, and that's why the games were always so special and going to Ar- and going to mile high was, you know, it was just like, it was, it was magical. Right. And some of those games, right. The, the, the Montana Elway shootout Monday night, you know, God, I was so lucky to have been gotten my number called in that game and scored and been one of the touchdowns in that game. And, you know, just thinking back on like Al Michaels saying my name was like, what the heck is going on as a lineman? Short of, you know, you always, you're always afraid Al Michaels is going to be on there going up. Oh, yep. Yeah, another holding call on Valerio, you know, but to hear them say like touchdown, you know, geez, Dan Deardorff, and like, what the heck? Um, you know, and then obviously the Marcus, you know, the big touchdown, right. And snow, uh, the mile high snow and, and Marcus scores his hundredth touchdown. And, you know, I got, you know, got my name plastered on a couple of pictures as he's diving over the pile and there's me blocking, you know, and of course, Alex Gibbs, you know, offensive line coach, first thing he says, man, you're really high on that play. Shouldn't be that high. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, can't you at least give me some, da- you know, dap for having my name on there. So. What, one of the great photos in like kind of chiefs history. I encourage fans to, uh, to kind of Google that image of Mark. He was such a good, such a great goal line back just jumping over the pile into the end zone the snow is falling joe is blocking perhaps a little bit too high according too high. To him, but, but uh it's a great <laughs> yeah so yeah so lot, lots of great memories broncos you know bye week jeff big for the chiefs big for andy reed you know coming off buys i think you know look out afc because you know here come the chiefs and i think this um this AFC West thing, who would have thought, right, at, at three and four, we'd be having the same conversation of the seven and four Chiefs staring down the barrel of, you know, let's be honest, on paper, not that tough of a schedule for the yeah. Chiefs to finish this thing out. So 
just purely based on win loss percentages and who they're playing and who they've beaten in the past. Like, you know, the Bengals game could be the toughest game that they have on the remainder of the schedule. So good things happening for the chiefs and their defense, right? That's going to be a big, let's really see if the, if the defense can keep the momentum going. Great points there, Joe. Um, and we're going to delve more into this matchup here and, and talk about the past two, that great chiefs Broncos rivalry. But first, we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, we've obviously talked um, a lot about uh, that touchdown catch on Monday Night Football against the the Broncos because it's so memorable. It's such a cool moment that you got to experience. Uh, Also in that game, I... Two parts I was curious about against the Broncos. One, what your reaction was your block Montana's uh, touchdown to Willie Davis. What your reaction? Were you in on that play? If not, kind of your reaction. And also, what was the reaction after the game in that era before social media? You know, before the internet. Uh, did reporters just kind of flock to you? Was there a big media horde around you, or because the the code of the linemen were they not? How did that go after the game? Those, those, those are my two questions uh, from that game. Yeah, I'll start with the whole lineman thing. And, of course, you know, our job as linemen was to stay out of the limelight. And I always did whatever I could to hide. At <laughs> six foot five, 300 pounds, it's tough to do in a locker room. I tried my best to hide from, you know, the reporters that were, you know, wanted to talk about that. Um, you know, fortunately or unfortunately for me, the the fact that that game really centered around the Montana catch and the last drive mm-hmm. to and the catch by Willie Davis as he tiptoed in and out of the end zone um, on that play, uh, you know, really that was really where the focus was, right? Because you know my touchdown happened in in in, in sort of the pers- just the regular course of the game. And yeah, it was, you know, of course it was a tackle eligible. It was an oddball play because I caught the thing going over my shoulder. It was not a typical tackle eligible mm-hmm. standing flat footed in the end zone. It was a very, um, you know, it was a very tough catch for me going over my shoulder because I was like the fourth outlet on that play. I was not the intended receiver. I was Joe's like third or fourth, you know, look because, you know, he had Kimball coming out of the end, out of the backfield. He had Keith Cash. He had, uh, uh, Derek Walker, uh, who got uh, blocked by the uh, by the uh, official, by the umpire, he he ran in front of the umpire, so Joe lost sight of him. He kind of Joe kind of saw the black and white stripes and didn't really see Derek. And then he looked at me, and here I was out there, you know. And he had to throw it over my left shoulder, and I had to actually make a catch. So I, I don't know, maybe maybe the reporters just thought, well, I, maybe that was just some other tight end that caught that or something. But but really, you know. I think the big focus on that from a media perspective was on that last drive. So nobody really did anybody did did our good friend, Adam Teicher, Jonathan Rand, those guys, nobody came up to you or, or just maybe for a quick 
quote or something. Yeah, it was it was definitely secondary. As I was on that play, I was the secondary or tertiary <laughs> or even the fourth receiver. Like that's where I was. I fell in the in the grand scheme of things in that game because there were so many big plays in that game. And don't forget, Jeff, it wasn't, you know, Elway got the ball back with time. Like it wasn't when Willie scored, it wasn't like the game ended and we, it wasn't like a walk-off homer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was, there was, Elway had time and you didn't want to give Elway time back then. He, when you gave him time, he scored. And so our defense had to step up too. So there were some huge defensive plays at the end of the game too. So, you know, kind of got lost in the sauce a little bit, you know, me scoring. And, you know, if it had been the, if it, that had been the game winning touchdown, I'm sure, I would have probably taken the offensive line and Joe out for two more dinners than I already took them out for. But, you know, since it was kind of lost in the sauce a little bit to use that term again, I think it it got, it got mixed up because the emotions were, you have to remember, Jeff, that was Marty Schottheimer's first win at mile high stadium in his career. Like we're talking, going back to the Browns craziness, you know, that he and the Bronco, he and his battles with Elway back to his Browns days. Right. So like Marty had never won at Mile High Stadium. So there was that, too. So they had to get that vetted out with Marty, you know, with Coach Schottenheimer and with the players about what it was like to get Marty his first win at Mile High. So, you know, scoring was was great. And and it was, you know, yeah, it got some it got some pub. But there was a lot of other storylines in that game that were, you know, really big time. And, and, And the fact that it was Monday night. Right. I mean, it happened on Monday night. So. It was a, there was a lot going on in that. There was a lot to unpack in that game. And, um, you know, I, I, I have to say, Jeff, you, you know, you mentioned like the emotions after the game. And to me, the biggest emotion besides winning, you know, and beating the Cow, Bronco, Cow, I'm sorry, Cow, beating the Broncos at their place on Monday night was really doing it for Marty, you know, and winning that game for Coach Schottenheimer and getting him his first win at Mile High and getting that monkey off his back. Like that was huge because if you remember, we had we had the Broncos beat the season before in '93, and we had a we had a punt blocked, um, and I was snapping at the time, right? So I'm I'm you know I snap it, I block, and next thing you know, you hear the thud, and you're like, oh my god! Like I was a relative blind snapper, so I would look. But then once I kind of let the ball go, I didn't really know where it was. You know, it was like because it was more muscle memory than anything. And then all of a sudden you hear this thud and we're like, holy cow. And that kind of cost us the game. Hmm. And we we had that game tied up and won for all intents and purposes. And we ended up losing. So to go back there and to have that kind of game the next year still trying to get that monkey off of Marty's back. Like it was, it was, that was an emotional win for us. And that was really what dominated the locker room for us um, in 1994. Were you, were you in that famous play to Willie Davis game winning touchdown, the, the little toe tap I am. Were you in? Were you in I, the no, I was not. I was not in on that play. So I got to see it, which was cool. Yeah. Actually, it was actually, it was actually a little bit more fun to like yeah. see from the sideline, uh, you know, as, 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 uh, you know, an observer now is getting ready to go in because we were getting closed down. So, you know, we probably weren't going to punt. We, we were pretty much in, in, in four down territory, right? Cause we had to win that game. We had to score that touchdown to win. So it wasn't like I was going to long snap, but we had to get, you know, we had to get ready to go in and, and get ready for the field goal unit. Um, you know, if we were either going to kick a field goal, maybe try an onside kick or do whatever, depending on what Marty's decision was, if we didn't score that touchdown. But, you know, once, 
you know, um, uh, you know, we, we got down there and, and we, we got close and we knew, you know, Willie was in, right. It, you know, then all of a sudden we panicked. Oh my God, we got to get this extra point. Like, you know, like it was like this euphoria. If you see, if you see some of the videos, old videos of that, like there was a euphoria when, when Joe just marched the team down on, on, you know, for that, for that drive. And it was, you know, it was, it was amazing drive. Um, and it was a lot of people that participated in that. So fortunately I got to watch it getting ready to go out with the field goal unit. So I was like there and ready to go. I uh, wasn't just like, you know, sitting on the bench, watching it on the big screen. Such a cool memory. Thanks for taking us through that, Joe. Well, say goodbye to Dole Gifts. Lightbox Lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. It's using cutting edge technology and innovative techniques. They've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab grown diamonds you can find. For the light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make an out any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Uh, Joe, so back to this uh, upcoming game here on Sunday night. Should be fun. You know, I keep um, kind of writing the Broncos off, like, oh, they're, 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 they're the weak team of the division. Impressive win over the Chargers uh, last weekend. They're now 6-5. and five. Uh, Your thoughts on this matchup? Well, Jeff, I mean, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot going on in the AFC, especially in the West. I mean, mm-hmm. you just look at their body of work, right? I mean, you know, they handed the Chargers – pretty, pretty good drubbing, you know, uh, last week. And I think back to that Cowboys game where they, you know, they held, held, the, held the Cowboys to 16 points and scored 30 on them. Um, and, that game was, and those were 16 garbage points. They were up yes. 30, nothing until late in the fourth quarter when the game was well out of hand. I mean, that's, that was, is an impressive, really a victory as there has been this, this season. Exactly, Jeff. I mean, you know, they, 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 they didn't really hold their own much against, you know, the Ravens, who we know are, are really strong. They won the games they should have, right? They beat, beat the Jets up pretty bad, beat the Jaguars, you know, by 10 early on in the season. So, look, they're a team that has sort of, you know, two touchdown winners o- over the Giants early on in opening day. So they've won some of the games that they should win. So it's not as if they're a team that um, – isn't living up to its potential, right? I, I, I think, you know, you and I were talk, chatting, you know, pre-record and, and you know, we're, we're both in, in sort of the Teddy Bridgewater camp of like, he, he, can, he can make some plays. I think he can get some things done. And, you know, it's pretty interesting to see, you know, I know obviously his, his you know, Drew Locke's ties to the Kansas City area. And it was kind of fun to talk about. He's kind of taken a back seat. Mm-hmm. you know, the Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, who's having a pretty decent season and is, and is definitely looked at as a playmaker. So, you know, water got hurt last week, Joe, they had to bring Locke in uh, temporarily and he threw a pick. The offense definitely took like a step back and then kind of got back on track when Bridgewater went back into the game. 
Great point, Jeff. Great point. And, uh, you know, that, that, that says a lot, right? That says a lot about, about what Bridgewater is doing with this team. I mean, I think they've got a decent, you know, pretty decent receiving crew, maybe no offense, not having the season that we thought he was going to be as, you know, you and I talked about him last season as a, a young player who we could ultimately maybe see, maybe not in the Kelsey stratosphere, but definitely in, mm-hmm. in the Darren Waller, you know, type or, or even like a Zach Ertz, you know, mm-hmm. who's now obviously uh, with the Cardinals was, you know, the former Eagles. Great. Like we saw him in that kind of, so he's not, he's not having that season that we thought, um, you know, could have, that could be just maybe some of the stuff that they're doing with, with Teddy. So, you know, I, I think, I think he can make some plays. He can make some things happen. Um, you know, I think they've got a, a pretty decent, you know, kind of running back by committee game going on. And uh, they keep they keep them they keep them well rested, um, and I, I I think this could be a good game. I, I think the Chiefs win this game. Um, I, I don't think that the Chiefs, unless they make some big major mistakes, are going to let it get out of hand. But um, but I think it's uh, you know it's a game the Chiefs should win. But if the Broncos do some things, it could be um, you know it could be. It could be coming down to the wire, I think. It's, it's just the way the AFC is going right now. Totally. Hard to go against the Chiefs here. Andy Reid, 19-3, and coming off the bye. We know, I mean, and they've had a week to rest up. They're pretty healthy. The, the Broncos do, you mentioned the, ru- the running game with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. That's a really good one-two punch. I think the Broncos actually have kind of underutilized them this year. If I'm Denver, I really emphasize those guys, try and keep the Chiefs off the field. Uh, on the other side of the ball, you know, Vic Vangio, obviously a really uh, smart defensive mind. Uh, for the fans out there, I-, I would look at the Broncos secondary. They actually um, – that could be a tough matchup for the Chiefs. They have a, a, I mean, Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties out there. Um, Kyle Fuller had a lot of success in Chicago under Vic Fangio. Has not been as good this year, but he's still a very good player. And then Patrick Sertain. Um, I'm sure people out there remember his father who starred for the Dolphins. The rookie mm-hmm. from Alabama has been terrific. Two picks against the Chargers, including a pick six. Uh, Joe, that's kind of the matchup I watch is that, you know, where um, what they do. Secondaries have had a lot of success trying to take away, you know, the deep, the deep pass, focusing on Tyreek Hill, focusing on Kelsey. That's going to be an interesting matchup. The Broncos secondary versus the Chiefs receivers. Yeah, and it'll, it'll, it's a great. That's a great point, Jeff. I, I totally agree with you, and that's that's something the fans should watch too. And then they're going to have to obviously move their eyes to the front as well, because you know the Broncos have not been a real dominant pass rushing team. Mm-hmm. You know they haven't really put pressure on quarterbacks the way that you would want to if you have a solid defensive back core group of, of players like the Broncos have, um, you know, the, you know, the fact that they, you know, they don't, you know, if they can't get after Patrick and they can't rush him to his, you know, left and keep him moving to his left or get into his face, take away some of his open lanes that he pops into to give, you know, so that, so that Kelsey and Hill can get a little bit more time to get open uh, if they don't do that and put some, put together some kind of rush plan against Patrick, I, I don't, you know, sometimes it just seems like you could have four all pros back there 
the way that Eric Bieniemy and, and Andy Reid put their offensive game plans together, it like if you can't get after Patrick, he just will he'll find a way to pick you apart. Um, and I think that's going to be you know that's where once once they establish once the Broncos establish the cover philosophy that they're going to have against this you know potent you know receiving core that that the Chiefs have, if they don't do something to get into Patrick face Patrick's face, I think he could run away with this game. And that's really where, you know, that's where, you know, that's where every team has had their success against the Chiefs. It's, it's getting Patrick out of his element, right? It's getting, forcing him to do things that, that he doesn't want to do and, and make throws that he doesn't want to make. And, and I think to me, that's really, you know, has always been the key. So you couple that defensive backfield, like you said, which is your spot on, if they can put together a little bit of a rush plan, you know, it could be a, it could be a tough day for, for Patrick um, and trying to find those guys, you know, amongst those orange, uh, you know, or well, I guess since they're home, the chiefs are home that maybe they'll, they'll, they'll force the Broncos into their whites, but you know, uh, you know, it's going to be tough to find. It'll be tough to find his receivers if he can't, you know, if he can't see them. Read 19 and three after the bye. Chiefs are so good after that. I was all expected to predict kind of a chiefs blowout that their margin, how the, uh, the, the Broncos, really took care of the Chargers so easily. That, that impressed me. And so this game, I think it's going to be closer than I would have uh, picked a week or two ago. I think the Chiefs by about five or seven. Uh, but, like, I think it's going to be a competitive game. Uh, and then I, I do think this is a team a little bit, again, better than I thought. You know, who knows what injuries and who's healthy by then. I think this, this game the, uh, you know, the Chiefs have, this could be a scary opponent. We talked about the Chiefs. Um, schedule that it is pretty favorable. They could make a run here. Their last two games at Cincinnati and at Denver, I, I could see one of those tripping them up. But uh, Joe, so your prediction, not only for this game, but then do you do you agree about that kind of last those last two games there? Yeah, definitely, Jeff. Starting with the the first part of the of the question is is that how do I see this game going? I, I see that I see the Chiefs scoring like thirty one in this game. I think coming off a of bye. Eric and 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 Andy are going to have a really good solid game plan. They're going to have some trickery, chicanery, whatever you want to call it. They're going to have some things that are going to make the rest of the schedule look at, right? Because that's what you do over bye week, right? You have time. And I think they're going to put some plays and some formations in that are going to make the, the rest of the defenses down the road um, really think about what they're doing and how they're going to defend this this offense with some you know different like I said with different formations different plays different looks so I think you know number one be ready for that be ready to see the Chiefs explode with some new interesting kind of plays because they always do that after bye week right Andy always does something like that um, and then so I think it's like I think this game's going to be like a 31-21 game I think they're going to win by 10 um, you know I think it'll be it, it, the, the Chiefs will be up by 10 or two touchdowns for most of the game you know, Broncos might score late or something, kick a field goal to get, you know, move the move move the score along a little bit. But I think it's going to be a, a 10-point game, 10-point win for the Chiefs, 31-21. I think the Chiefs get back on track, scoring some points. Um, and I think if the defense continues to hold the way that they're playing, if, look, look, let me put it this way. If, they, if that defense plays this, the way they played against the Cowboys, it could be a 31-3 game. Yeah. It could go – could go a lot of ways this game but I'm going to give the Broncos the benefit of the doubt and say they've got some time of possession uh things in their in their favor they're really good at time of possession they're out they're they're keeping the ball more than other teams they they take they take chances they've they've tried 
uh, 15 fourth down conversions and they've converted on 10 of them this year. So they take chances, mm-hmm. right? So, they're, so they're a team that's probably going to go into this game feeling like they have nothing to lose. Um, and I don't know what they're doing defensively, but, uh, uh, their opponents have tried 18 fourth down t- attempts and only converted on five. So, you know, they, mu- they must be doing something right on both sides of the fourth down fence. So, you know, they're going to take, so that just tells me they're going to take chances, you know, they're going to try to keep the time of possession and, and that's what could keep the game close. But, you know, but if the chiefs defense, God, if they show up like they've shown up the last three games, this could be, it could be a long day for the Broncos, especially at Arrowhead. If, you know, if Teddy Bridgewater can't hear, which you can't at Arrowhead, um, it could be, it could be a tough one if he's got to come from behind and, and get into passing situations. So, uh, yeah. So, and, and, and then, and then I agree with you, Jeff. I, I think, you know, look, it's going to be tough for them to win out, right? Because they're going to be, you know, they're going to be facing some opponent. They're facing a pretty good win-loss percentage here between everybody having, you know, being on the right side of the fence as it relates to wins and losses. Um, so I think um, I think one of those games could trip them up. And, you know, maybe, you know what? If Look, if, if the Chiefs win out and then they finish with the Broncos, Maybe the Broncos is the game. It's a throwaway game for the Chiefs because they've already secured home field, depending on, you know, what the Titans do and the Patriots do. Um, you know, it, maybe that could be the reason why they lose that game. Right. That, that could be. I think there's enough. We talked about before this. I think there's so much parity, uh, you, which is your, your call, great word choice, that I don't – I think that last game is going to have meaning for the Chiefs, even if yeah. they, they go on a run. I, I just think that it's going to be – Maybe you know their schedule is favorable. I think it is very possible that that they could be looking at the one seed, the buy. But I think they would need that last game to uh, uh, to to get that buy. Uh, Joe, you know you you mentioned playing in Mile High, uh, how 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 tough a stadium, the the seats rattling, the the stadium literally shaking. It, it's funny. It reminded me when covering the uh, Cowboys Chiefs game. You you uh, go through. Uh, as I was going through kind of the bowels of the stadium, waiting for interviews and stuff. Um, well, now Mile High has, or well, we we still call it Mile High, but um, the stadium a, gr- a really smart, savvy home field advantage. The kind of a subliminal thing they have written bef- on the so that it's right on the tunnel as the opposing team takes the field. They have the elevation level just to yeah. remind you. Um, <laughs> so I was curious if if that was around when you were when you were playing them and also it's, it's funny the chiefs i thought this was super smart the chiefs answer they now for the opposing team as you go through the tunnel onto arrowhead they now have the loudest stadium they have the decibel level that they sent the guinness book world record i think that's again very smart you know get given it doesn't hurt to try and get the opponent's head a little bit oh totally no you got to do that right you got to play the psychological game and uh I don't remember ever seeing the elevation, but man, I know it was always an issue. Yeah. You know, um, I know the trainers would always survey us after the game. Uh, you know, we would do a three or four question survey about how we felt playing there. Marty's philosophy with playing at high elevation was go as late as you possibly can to play that game. And your body won't actually have time to adjust to being in the altitude so therefore, it won't affect you as much. Mm-hmm. So we always, you know, we always treated uh, that game just the same way we treated every other game. We went on Saturday night, slept at, you know, in Denver on Saturday night, got up on Sunday, played the game, 
And, you know, that's the way that he treated that game. We never went early to, our, to, to Mile High because he felt like the, the less time you spent there, and I'm sure he was talking to, you know, scientists about it, you know, knowing Marty as prepared as he was, you know, he's probably got, uh, you know, world famous scientists working on it. But that was always his philosophy is get there late. Don't even think about it. Um, and, 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 you know, and play your game. And, you know, I, I don't ever remember seeing, having to see players sucking down oxygen, you know, with masks on and, you know, maybe Marty was onto something, but however, you know, Marty had only won there that one time up until that point. So maybe we were doing things wrong. I don't know. Um, but I, I know, I know for a lot of players that they, they basically never really felt like it affected them. So I guess, Kudos to the Broncos for at least trying to make it psychological and think, oh, well, here you are. I mean, but the stats show it. I mean, field goals, right? I mean, you, you just look at the data, you know, field goals at, at mile high are they're off the charts, like long, you know, from a, from a distance perspective, uh, the average field goal, you know, uh, that you can make there. So there must be something to it. I, I just don't know, you know, if it's something that in a 60-minute football game that players are really going to feel. Though there's also there's something to the home field advantage that it when you have a, a transcendent player it you know it it becomes more of a thing. Elway with the reason another reason that that game you participate in when you had the touchdown Monday night was such a big deal is just Elway was so good in the fourth quarter with his comebacks because and he was just he was such a great quarterback and I think that added so the teams are a little bit tired and you have this quarterback you know is going to be good playing the right. And that's with this game in Arrowhead, it's kind of the same thing with Mahomes. That's a big part of um, the home field advantage. You know, Mahomes is going to put pressure on the defense. You know, they're going to score a lot of points, the Chiefs. And then probably the Chiefs defense is able more often than not to kind of tee off on the, the offense or playing with a lead. They can pin their ears back. Uh, kind of does add to the home field advantage, which we might, might see Sunday. Definitely, Jeff. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and I think it, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, look, this time coming off a bye week and a home game, it's like a double whammy for the Broncos. I mean, you know, they're not, you know, some, of course, some of the players who've played there before, you know, are going to know what, what it's like to play at Arrowhead and hear that sound, but, or and not hear themselves, but it's, you know, coming off a bye week, having the noise, coming off the, 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 the uh, momentum that the Chiefs have. That's why I think this is going to be, you know, for the Chiefs on paper, of course, still have to play the game. I think this is going to be a, a pretty good game for the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's the game that sets them up for the rest of the schedule so they can make that run and, you know, start to outpace some of these other teams and, and get that home field advantage that it's so critical, right? It's only one team gets it now. So it's going to be, it's going to be a race, man. It's going to be, it's going to be a sprint for, for, that, for that position and uh, to try to get that home field throughout because everybody wants that come January. Well, if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.